Hello and welcome to the King Power Stadium. My name's Pete Selby. Alongside me in the commentary box, it's Mark Perkins. We're about an hour before kickoff. Uh, oh well, what a sight. As you all know by now, it's blue, white and yellow flags all around the King Power. A bit of a strange sight actually, because, uh, and as you can hear, they're just talking over the tannoy, so you know that we are where we say we are. Now, quarterfinals of the Champions League, an hour before kickoff, we just found out that Wes Morgan is in the team. So, fingers crossed, he gets through the game. Obviously, you know what happens as you're listening to this. So, he's in the team, but it's an amazing sight around the King Power. We uh, got moved our press area to the 1884 bar, so apologies to all those out there who can't go to their usual watering hole. But uh, the atmosphere in the ground is amazing at the moment, and we're still ages from kickoff, Mark. But what I want to know from you is... What are your thoughts before the game, but also your prediction? Uh, prediction, I'm going to go that we'll do it. Uh, you know me as a confident person like that. Um, I'm just soaking the atmosphere here because it's absolutely amazing at the minute with the flags that are huge, the noise, the atmosphere around the outside, but it's also in here now, just a buzz. Uh, I think we'll sneak an early goal at half-time. I'll let you know what my thoughts are at half-time at that point. What about you? Me, me. I'm going to stick with my prediction that I said on episode 66, and that's I think that Leicester will be nil-nil at half-time, and then from then on we'll see. I've got a sneaky feeling that today it might be Leonardo Ajoa's day to write his name further into the folklore of Leicester City fans. We'll see you at half-time. Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is... It's for Fox's sake. So at half-time, it's Leicester nil, Atletico Madrid 1 from a bit of a subdued King Power Stadium. I'm in the commentary box once again with Mark Perkins and Tom Haslam. Now, obviously they've scored in the first half. It's not what we wanted. I said 0-0 at half-time. You said 1-0 actually, Mark. So I am blaming you. You did say 1-0 to Leicester. But uh, a bit of a sucker punch goal because we were on top. We created one or two chances. And as so happens in football so often, that when one team creates a chance, even a half chance, then the other team go up to the other end of the field and score. And it was a bit of a sucker punch after Vardy had a chance where he should have delayed his run few more seconds or maybe Mares go himself but uh, he didn't uh, Okazaki had a chance where he blazed over although it was a difficult chance and they, they went and scored at the other end and uh, it's a bit of a subdued King Power but we're quite glad at the moment that it's only 1-0 yeah they've been it was one of their main counter-attacks as well through the game they've held the ball back Reason's brought it back and they've attacked us nice and slowly but this time the sucker punch goal was a real quick counter-attack which again is what we play and how they play quite a lot as well and they are solid defensively and they're looking really really good at the back four at the minute nullifying what Okazaki and Vardy can do now out on the outfield we can see uh, Leonardo Ajoa and uh, who's that Ben Chilwell actually uh, warming up so we presume they're going to come on now me and Tom were talking just before the uh, halftime whistle saying that we'd bring Ajoa on and maybe get the ball in a bit quicker than uh, Leicester have been doing yeah, definitely. I just think Joe's going to put, uh, pose more of an attacking threat airily than Okazaki does. He often comes short to feet Okazaki, whereas you can actually get the ball into the box and let Vardy and Ajoa and get a few of the big men in the area as well to challenge and Didi and Drinkwater pick up the scraps on the edge of the area. I think Chilwell as well might actually help 
in terms of starting the attacks a little bit quicker. Future's been caught out a couple of times and picked up a knock towards the end of the first half as well, don't forget. Yeah, there was a few times in that first half where I had to count the amount of Atletico players. I thought there was 12 on the field. They, they hunt in, in packs, they swarm around players and uh, you can see their manager on the side. He's, every time Leicester got the ball just inside their half, he's, he's, he's clapping, saying, come on, go, 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 hunt in packs, get the ball, get the ball. And Leicester have really failed to create any overlaps and, and make a telling ball into the area yet but uh, they were a difficult team we reckon one of the hardest teams to break down in Europe but at half time in a bit of a subdued King Power Stadium it was a raucous atmosphere at the start well done to everyone and well done to the setup here it looked superb as you've all seen on TV or if you're here at the King Power Stadium but uh, it's not over we're glad it's only 1-0 at half time and uh, we'll see what happens second half you never know Ujoa I said before the game now's your chance kid So it finishes Leicester City 1, Atletico Madrid 1, an amazing second half. Leicester through the kitchen sink at the Spaniards and you can hear in the background the King Power crowd serenading their heroes who are doing a lap of honour and they deserve every bit of a round of applause they're getting. What an amazing second half, the goal by Vardy. What about that scuff shot by Vardy, the block on the Ojoa shot. If one, another one went in, I'm pretty sure we would have got a third. They were absolutely rocking, they were. They were all over the place, Atletico, in the second half. Ben Chilwell down the left-hand side. My God, what a second half. He started a little bit shaky, but uh, my, it was superb. And uh, everyone stayed in the King Power to serenade him, like I said, and give him a big round of applause. And uh, well done to the crowd. An amazing atmosphere. They really got behind him second half, as they did in the first half. And uh, they are all absolute heroes. Anyway, from a emotional King Power Stadium it's, it's the end of our Champions League campaign but uh, what a campaign it's been and we leave with our heads held high we represented English football very well indeed on the continent at the King Power Stadium undefeated at the King Power hopefully we're back sometime in the very near future well from the King Power I'll hand back to myself <laughs> and to Rob So welcome back to For Fuck's Sake Podcast HQ. That was the story of Leicester's last game in the Champions League. The end of the story, if you like, wasn't necessarily a happy ending, but it wasn't an unhappy ending either. I think everybody felt a sense of pride of what we'd achieved, a sense of pride in the performance in the second leg against Atletico. Uh, and we've given ourselves uh, somewhere near a week to try and sort of digest everything, try and process everything before we put together this podcast. Also, the fact that I was away working didn't really help, but we are here to look back fondly on Leicester's Champions League campaign. Yes, it was an incoherent review of what happened, because obviously it was recorded at the time, and um, well, none of it really made sense in the way. And you hadn't even been boozing that time you were working. No, not at all. What What do you mean that? That time. That time, that's true, that's true. Um, it, yes, it, it was a bit of a taste of what happened and obviously everyone knows what happened. They were there or they were watching on TV or they were swimming. I got to watch the last half an hour. Did you? I saw the Vardy goal. I ran... Well, you saw the best half an hour then. Oh yeah, definitely. I ran around Ponsford. Ponsford was empty by that point. The, the swimmers and the spectators had all gone home. I'd just managed to get it on a friend of the podcast, Stephen Jameson's phone 
uh, about five minutes before Vardy scored, ran around, my cheers were echoing in the in Ponce Forge, and then for the rest of the evening, everyone could hear me biting my own nails and my head in my hands, and ooh, so many times, was not it? <laughs> right. That, that was uh, Ajoa's shot getting blocked, that oh, was Vardy yeah. scuffing that chance in the penalty area. Y- you are right, it's, it's a strange thing really, because they obviously have lost and they're out of the Champions League, and that's the end now of the reward, the prize, um, basking in the glow of winning the league. Uh, but they, they fell on their sword. It wasn't like we lost by missing a penalty in injury time. And it wasn't like we lost by losing 6-0 or 7-0 over the two games. They went out in, in in the perfect manner by not rolling over, by changing everything at half-time, by throwing, as I said, the kitchen sink at the team, um, getting a goal. And, and I still stand by, if we managed to get a second We'd have got a third because oh, they, 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 they were all right the on the rockers, weren't they? They were. They were all over the place. They were booting the ball high, just getting it clear. Simeone was bringing forward after forward on the field, just saying, "Let's just get a goal." Because if they get another goal, game over. Um, so they were, and at some points we had a back two really of Simpson and and uh, half fit Wes Morgan because Fuchs was pushing so far down the left, and they had like four men standing on the halfway line ready for the ball from their defence and how they didn't score really towards the end, no idea. But um, yeah, very unlucky, but I said they're heroic. And it was a heroic exit to a competition where they've been extraordinary, Leicester. They've been fantastic. And this is what today's podcast is about. It's about remembering the Champions League, going over the games, um, talking about the best moments. Uh, I asked on Twitter and on Facebook, and also through the likes of Reddit and on the Foxes Talk, um, uk forum, can people send through uh, their best memories? And to be honest, we've got loads. Yeah. We've got loads and loads and loads. So um, I think what we're going to do is we'll mention one or two here, and I think what we're going to do, we'll put together a list of them, um, and then people can read it. I'll put it out on, again, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, um, also on the Foxes Talk as well. So we'll put a list of them, uh, try and make a nice pretty picture behind it and all that sort of thing. But we'll mention a few as we go along. So um, we'll start with the game in Madrid uh, against Madrid. Now, the first half we played as we like to. Same team, same style, but we couldn't break them down. There were one or two half opportunities, Okazaki, uh, couldn't divert it towards goal when Vardy pulled it back. And there was once when Vardy ran through and Mares, maybe, who had a brilliant run, by the way, but he maybe should have took it on himself or passed it earlier. In fact, he waited and then passed it. He was offside. Um, there were one or two opportunities and then they scored. And when they scored, ouch. Yeah, it made things a lot more difficult, didn't it? Yeah, too difficult in a way. Three goals to get against Atletico. They've only conceded three times to two teams this year. And I bet you can guess who they are. Real and Barca? Exactly. There you go. So they don't concede goals, and they don't concede goals in the Champions League especially. Um, They're unbelievably well drilled, aren't they? They are They are the... I mean, people say that they are very similar to Leicester. Um, I think we're similar to them in a way, that they are very, very solid at the back, and then they like to launch forward through the likes of Griezmann and, and Torres, um, even though Torres has pretty much lost it in and front of goal. Gamero was missing for them in both games against us. Yep, and they've got the experienced midfielders, um, the likes of Koke, uh, who can just control a game. Mm-hmm. And also they are um, 
such a good team anyway that if they do have possession against the team, then they can just outplay them and beat them fair and square, if you know what I mean, without sitting back and launching the counter-attacks. They are extremely solid at the back, good goalkeeper, um, and they hunt in packs. They swarm around the ball. They don't go one man at a time to try and close people down. They go in twos and threes. And when they do that, another two or three are going past, going to the next person. So if Okazaki's got it, three men around him, he tries to lay it off, but they've to a Leicester player who's already got three men around him. Mm. It was really, really interesting to see how they go about winning the ball back. And uh, obviously they've got a good manager in Simeone who just non-stop on the sideline. But um, a really good team. Uh, and, and a couple of occasions I had to actually count how many were on the field because it seemed like they, they were, looked like they had too many it looked like they had too many yeah. but when that goal went in there was a big cheer from the uh, Leicester crowd saying like come on lads we're not out of this and uh, for the last five minutes of the half I was just come on let's get in at half time 1-0 if we get in at half time 1-0 we can go again and uh, well Shakespeare was very brave at half time I think so yeah considering he's only been uh, a manager per se for what, less than 10 games? Not even double figures yet. Yeah. To sit there in a, in a Champions League quarter-final and and having had a, a decent first half and go, you know what, lads, let's go for this. Let's let's try this. Let's uh, let's use the width a little bit more. Went three at the back, didn't we? And then uh, Chilwell was more advanced down the left-hand side. Just to take off a centre-back at half-time and, and make that positive change, I think that, will have inspired the players because if they'd have gone out there and still played four four two and gone, yeah, you're doing all right, keep doing what you're doing, then try and change things with 20 minutes to go. You, you're not allowing yourself an awful lot of time to have a real go over a match that's been played over 108, uh, 180 minutes. But the crowd also saw the substitutions and were like, yeah, yeah, we're having this. We're, we're going to give this a proper good go. Exactly. We played a half, uh, a game and a half against them. We have not scored. Now, I said, as you heard at half time, we thought they were going to bring Christian Fuchs off because he went down injured. Uh, and we kind of had ideas about bringing Ajara on straight away. Um, but we didn't think they were going to play three at the back and then have Chilwell as a left wing back um, and Mark Albright in as a, as a right wing back and really, really go for it because they look so open at the back, Leicester did. And, um, well, understandably so as who, well who cares Cause oh exactly but, but it was it was so brave to do that then like you said I completely agree to do it at half time is an amazing thing to, to, you could have waited maybe until half an hour to go and then then do that but no to do it at half time but the thing is for me there are some people out there actually who, who thought we maybe should have done that at the start of the game which is to me, nonsense. No, you, you need to play you your can't. way. Yeah. Um, if you do that, we could have conceded in the first five minutes and then it's game over because they can go on and score again. And, and, you're, and you're lining up in a formation that you're not used to as well. We they didn't they did to... say they were practicing during the week. So it was, I think the plan was... It was the plan B. Yeah, that was the plan B, if we, if maybe even a goal down. But there was no point in going in organs blazing right at the beginning because no. you could have lost the game there and then. That's the sort of... It, to be honest, uh, and even if you, if you do think this out there... For me, if you thought that we should have gone like that at the start of the game, you know you don't know football. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't know football. You don't, you, no, you you play the way that you play, and 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 we were unlucky in that first half. You know, one or two opportunities, and they really had that one. They had a, a, a one good save by Schmeichel early on, uh, low at the near post, a good uh, left palm away. But uh, apart from that, he was quite quite in that first half. Apart from that header, but uh, the second half. Where it was, it was just, it was fantastic, and the way 
Leicester never stopped, epitomised really by Mark Albrighton down the right-hand side. An amazing performance by him. Um, and then Chilwell on the left, he started so nervously, really nervous, miscontrolled a couple, wild passes, and you could see he was just almost trying too hard. And after about five or ten minutes of the first, of the second half, he turned into Gareth Bale, basically. I said that on a few occasions. Not quite. No, but in his, the, his final ball wasn't quite there, but he is a left back. I was I was going to say his his final delivery obviously needed work, and again, the the atmosphere in the occasion probably got to him that way. He had one decent chance where he caught it perfectly, went over the bar, and then of course he actually set up the goal by getting his shot on target. But what I mean by the Bale factor was he got the ball in his own half, and it's very simple to say this. But he ran at them. Mm. But when I mean he ran at them, he had the two players on the right-hand side every single time he'd, he'd gone by him. He was on the edge of the box every single time. He was electric down that left-hand side, really was. And it's a real, um, for me, it's a bit of a, a, a watershed moment, really, for him. Um, not saying he should be ahead of uh, Fuchs, but that's what he can do. But proof there's a very, very there good a, footballer in there. A, yes, there is. I think a few people had question marks over him why is he he's a young kid and played a couple of games but you can see there there is a real player there a really good player so um he was brilliant and Ajoa came on and he was the battering ram mm, he was he was just leo get up there go and win some balls put yourself about a little bit just just cause a nuisance um and i can't believe you said in your little preview preview thing or you you, you said uh, prior to the show i can't remember when is it half time um, what that Ijoa could be the the one? Oh no! It was it was it before the game. It might be before the game. Um, it was yes, before the game. I said, I, I don't know what it was. It was just you, you saw him warming up, and you were like, or, or you or you looked at the team news, and you kind of went, okay. I, I thought it was going to be tight in the first half, so the fact that they were going to throw Ijoa on, I thought was going to happen anyway. So I went, well, here we go. This is the moment. You know, it, it could be Leo who who turns the tide. And he was just a battering ram. He played very well, but he was just the battering. He ram. looked after the ball quite well, though, because when Atletico well, was sitting back and sitting back, and we were having to hit uh, Ajoa's chest or feet, or when we were able to, he was strong, looked after the ball, moved it on nicely, found another blue shirt, and and carried on yet another attack. And how how close was it to actually being his moment? That was. Just it, yeah, it's them two moments, isn't it? The Ajoa shot where he caught it perfectly. Um, the goalkeeper was going the right way; it was on target. Whether it would have gone in or not, after seeing a replay from right behind the shot, the goalkeeper possibly would have got there because it wasn't too far away from him. But Vardy, that was the one really. Um, it looked like from our position, he snatched at it and he actually pretty much miskicked it. Turns he out, stuck it into the ground. It was, he? he stuck it into the ground and it was blocked by a defender. Mm. So it was unlucky on two parts. And I still stand by it. If we got that goal with quarter of an hour to go, we would have got a third yeah. because the place, the place was rocking, and it, it just wasn't to be. And again, they never stopped Schmeichel coming up for corners. Albrighton down the right was amazing, trying to get the cross in at all opportunities because, again, they were dicey underneath it. They were, um, weren't they? They didn't cope with the aerial ball very well at all. No, and, and, and 
every time the ball went out of play, I was thinking, oh no, they're going to start wasting time. There was one or two moments where maybe for 10 or 20 seconds, but they didn't, for me, I don't think they rolled around or anything. A few times they went down too easy and the referee gave a few free kicks, which you're going to get in European but, competition. But that was to relieve the pressure on themselves. You wouldn't expect completely. any other football but team it, to do any different. But you know how some games like that can be completely marred by people yeah. you know, rolling around and, and really uh, playing up. That did not happen. In my eyes, that did not happen. And um, and they went out and the final whistle went and that was it. And what a what a brilliant night, but ultimately a disappointing one because they got knocked out, but they got knocked out in some style and uh, every every fan would be um, are amazingly proud of them. We, we all are anyway, even in the dark moments of February, you know, the defeat away to Millwall, they're still a, a team who won the league the year before. Mm. And they and they proved it on the big stage. But but the whole day was, was amazing. I mean, obviously, I know you weren't there, so I'm not really kind of rubbing it in. Thanks for dropping that one in again. No, but the, the way that the club uh, has been off the field in the Champions League campaign has been superb. At home, well, with the flags, just on this one game, blue, white and yellow, or should I say gold, Amazing smoke coming from the ceiling, the build-up, the way that the King Power crowd, and I've mentioned this before, the way that the Leicester crowd, um, they don't look at these flags and, and these things and say, oh, what, what we've got now? They go, right, here we go, let, let's use this. And every single part of the stadium. And it's and it was brilliant. Apparently on TV they were saying, what an amazing sight. And on the radio, on national radio, they were saying, this is unbelievable. You know, This is a really big thing. The Fox's eyes from behind the goal again and... Just a smoke from the from the from the ceiling. It was a, a real sight, and I bet people will have photos of it framed for years and years and years. And uh, yeah, just a, an amazing day, which unfortunately didn't go our way. So as we've said, this episode is all about celebrating Leicester's maiden Champions League campaign. What a campaign it was! We'll go through. Uh, uh, each of the Champions League games individually shortly. But as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, Pete, we put out uh, uh, a plea for people to share with us their favourite Champions League moments, their favourite memories, their favourite experiences. Uh, and you've picked out a few there to share on the podcast. And the, the rest of which, if they don't feature in the podcast, sorry, we do always try and put every listener contribution in. But there's too many of them. Uh, so we're going to put them all into a sort of nice, fancy picture because Pete's good at that fancy stuff. It's going to give me something to do. Keep me out of trouble. OK, so we're going to start with Chris Samsung. He said, seeing the same ads inside the KP that I've seen for many years on TV, Gazprom and Mastercard, etc. It really made it hit home that where we were. No, he so, says, so the sponsors? No, he does say weird I know, and then he did say that uh, a genuine highlight is the Casper penalty at home against uh, Seville because he did get rinsed on there by uh, a few of us, by myself. Michael Regan also said, uh, yeah, that as well. But uh, Yeah. And then we started discussing about the Gazprom uh, theme. But anyway, uh, so that's a weird one to start with, but I think it's quite apt. Um, Michael himself, he says, the roar after the Champions League music for our first home game against Porto, the first home game in the Champions League. I do agree there. Uh, Oliver said two moments, swapping scarfs with an Atletico fan, uh, no tickets, and getting a ticket to the Bruges game. Amazing, amazing uh, highlights. Uh, pre-match against Seville, this is from Fox's Fan TV, and home game against Copenhagen, i.e. the Flares. 
Remember the flares? Oh, um, they seem so long ago. Don't Helen McGee, she said, uh, going into work after knocking out Seville and seeing the surprise faces of my boss, who was a Spurs fan, and his boss and a colleague, both QPR fans. Hashtag priceless. Again, that's pretty much what a lot of us would have had the same kind of highlights as well. A lot of us would know fans from other clubs who would have taken the mick, really, and uh, obviously yeah, had to name, eat their words. Forrest. Uh, Kip Smithers said, uh, uh, Seville at home, the sheer euphoria pouring out from everyone when Albrighton scored was memorable. Also, Paul Oliver said, the draw for the quarterfinal and knowing wherever it was going to be, uh, I was going to be there with my daughter for her first Champions League away day. That's a nice one. And also Mark Perkins, who we heard from actually earlier on, he said the final whistle versus Atletico Madrid, the emotion, the sense of pride across the team and the crowd was immense. The realisation of what we have just been through. So his actual highlight is getting knocked out. Oh, Perko. Wow. You've let you've let us down. You're normally something. such a... Po- oh. Well, actually, no, that that is Perko in a nutshell, isn't it? Positive... In in whatever situation, yes, and and actually we'll we'll, we'll follow up with just one more. Uh, Seville at home, Casper's penalty saved, the place went mental, and that's from Luke Dawson. So that's just a, a taste of a few that we've got. Um, so we're going to start with the first game, uh, Club Bruges away. Well, actually, we'll start before that because, of course, we had the draw. Now we're going to mention our highlights, and we're going to have three each, aren't we? So yeah, each, yeah, we've picked three. We have picked three for for me, or well, three for me, three for you. And we'll men- uh, I we'll don't know what you are. We'll mention them chronologically as we go through the matches as to when they popped up. Yes, and they're, and they're not in any order. But uh, so the draw, okay, we better mention that because again we're in the same draw as the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG, Juventus, the big boys of Europe, and also Tottenham Hotspur, and um, <laughs> and basically we can't be drawn against them. Yep, because we're a pot one team. So in in top seeds, in top seeds, yeah, pot one, draw one. Leicester we, City top seeds for the Champions League draw. So it's not that we've just snuck in the bottom and we're happy to be there. We are one of the top seeds in the draw. Now, for me, one of my top three highlights by far has to be the draw, and that's just the group stage and then obviously the knockout stage as well uh, for both of them. Now, I was so you're a, picking a highlight that happened three times. Yes, but it's it's about the draws as they were made. I I've never That's been three so highlights. You're done. Yeah, you can't have any more. No, I've I've bu- I've put them all together. Selby bending the rules again, folks. Exactly. Does that surprise you? But the thing is, I look. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a, a cup draw. The FA Cup third round draw is the is the best draw of the year. Apart from this, this was amazing. And I was at home for the uh, group stage draw. For the game against Seville, I just got into my house as well to watch it. And then for the game against Atletico, the draw, I was in a pub outside Cheltenham Racecourse. So, um, on Gold Cup Day. So, I know where I was for each one. And the sense of anticipation was unbelievable. It it was so exciting seeing Leicester in there. And... uh, and then knowing who we're going to play, and then looking at the teams we're going to play, and realizing it's a, a stag tour, it's a stag do yeah. list. Yeah, we got some good destinations. We got some um, good European teams, but also ones that we that we fancied ourselves to do all right against. I think it, it went from humour, as in how ah, we're in the draw, to oh my god, I hope we get like a really big team and go to this destination. And then it actually went to not only is it a fantastic draw of places to visit, but also. We've got a real chance here of getting yeah, through. Yeah, and and the other benefit I think when we were drawn in the group stages was that the fact that we didn't really have to travel very far. 
No, that's that's the main thing. I mean, the first draw was the first game against Bruges, uh, and then it would have been to Copenhagen, and then the big game really away in Porto mm. to possibly scrape through or maybe grab a Europa League place. So the draw for me was a, a massive highlight, and then obviously when we went to Bruges, we weren't in the greatest form. We I think we just got beat by Liverpool uh, 4-1, 4-0 away from home. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. But we're away at Bruges, who weren't in great form in their own league. But again, they'd won the league, and they're, they're rightfully there. Now, where were you when you watched it? I was on holiday. You weren't there. You weren't no, there. I wasn't there. I was on holiday in Crete, uh, and I got myself settled into the bar, uh, Leicester shirt on, girlfriend suitably plied with cocktails to keep her happy because she's a Burton Albion fan, slash doesn't really like football. So They've had a good season. They will have if they stay in the championship, well, which I think they, they will. Yeah, they will. Uh, at the expense of Forest. Ha! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was in a bar in Crete, settled in, thought, this is amazing. Uh, I'm somewhere nice and warm, sitting here in my, in my Leicester shirt and my shorts, part of Spanish lager, on several TVs, had a big screen, a little TV closer to me, good, uh, good view, perfect setting, really, if you're not going to be in Bruges, perfect setting to be sat somewhere nice and warm like Crete. Uh and then five minutes in, yeah, is one of my highlights of the of the Champions League campaign. Well, my um, position for the game, I wasn't in Bruges. I was in Rio for the Olympics. Yes, oh. you were. Um, and I was on. I was in a bar on the top of the hotel, not really, on Copacabana Beach, um, with my iPad, watching it on a uh, a live stream from Twitter or somewhere. A perfectly legal perfectly one, legal yeah. one, yeah. Um, and. I was on my own. There was there was a few people there, but none of them supporting Leicester or watching the game. Where was Perko? He would have been working. Shambles. But uh, so I sat in the sun watching this with a beer. Uh, an amazing. It was it was surreal being there where I was and watching Leicester on TV uh, on my on my iPad. But it was uh, again an amazing start. So Throwing by Hernandez, and the goalkeeper came for it, didn't get to it, and um, it came to all Brighton poked it in, and that's your highlight. That's one of my highlights, yeah. The first goal. Yeah, just because, you know, it was it was the buzz of being in the Champions League for the first time. I literally just got settled in, games on, seeing the teams come up, and then within five minutes, bang, goal. You just thought, hang on, we're 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 in the Champions League, we're in it. Yeah, we've hit the ground running, we've actually scored a goal, we're winning and we're playing well. I know it's only in the first few minutes. And then Maris stepped up and scored an absolute Blinder, Blinder free a, kick, yeah. superb free kick, and that for me was here we go. This is it. We're on now. Inside the first half an hour, I was I was sat in that bar in disbelief. Other other fans were looking over to me, going, "What's going on?" Not not other Leicester fans, other fans of different clubs, because there was a lot of football on that night for, for of, on various TVs in this sports bar, and there were a lot of fans just going, "Oh, I support so and so, and what you lot are doing is amazing." And look at the start you've had. The problem I had was the fact that no one was there, so I'm watching this going. I want to speak to someone. I want to tell someone and show someone. So the the barman who absolutely could not speak a word um, is me showing him the iPad, like tapping it, going, "Look at this! Look at this!" And he's just like, "I've done it." He had no idea what I was. I was I talking thought about. Brazilians like their football. Yeah, but he didn't understand English, and he might not like. I don't know. He just he surely could understand Club Bruges nil Leicester two. So by the with time half an hour on the clock, that's a good point. Yeah, half an hour in, we're two 0 up against Bruges, and then we get a penalty after sixty-one minutes, and Mares stood over the ball. By now, I've moved to the uh, swimming pool, so I'm watching it on the iPad from the swimming pool. Course, and right. um, and basically, uh, when Mares stood over the ball, 
you always get that little sense. I mean, when you remember when David Nugent used to take penalties yeah. and he used to miss all the time, or, or it was a good 50-50 chance he's going to score or mm. miss. Um, now, Mares has got a good record, actually, on penalties for Leicester, but you always think, hang on, because of the short run-up. And uh, he stood there, and I'm like, just score. Just score to cement the game, because if they, they might come back into it. I think they were pushing towards... Uh, they were pushing for a goal, actually, when we got the penalty. And then he scores the penalty, game over. 3-0, and... We've won the first game in the Champions League away from home 3-0. What an amazing trip. Now, I understand a lot of people out there would have gone to Bruges and I understand it was a fantastic trip, a great city, and it was really, really warm and everyone had a brilliant time. But, uh, yeah, well, I think watching it where you were would have been interesting. Watching it where I was was certainly interesting. And we've hit the ground running. And then we welcome Porto to the King Power on the 27th of September. Yeah, just um, a couple of weeks later, first Home Champions League game, um, the first chance for Leicester fans, the majority of them, let's say, to soak up what quickly became a very famous atmosphere at the Leicester City Stadium, if you like. Um, I, I think we went into that knowing that it was going to be the toughest game in, in Group G. Yeah. Well, the, well, the toughest game was going to be Porto away, Yeah. Uh, but Porto were going to be the toughest opposition. Uh, and I think it proved that way. But also, we we went into it buoyed by the fact that we kicked off our own Champions League campaign with a 3-0 win. Um, and we won it 1-0, scored 25th minute. Yeah, and again, a lot of people were anticipating the music, the look of the ground, because obviously it was renamed the Leicester City Stadium. Um, and as people said, you know, the, the, the sponsor boards, the fact that there's the world press there, everything was slightly different. The build-up, the music, uh, the things that happened on the big screen, the fact that there was no post-horn gallop. Uh, the it was all slightly different, but we're all waiting for those kids in the centre of the field to lift up the Champions League football in the middle over over the centre circle and wave it to the music. Everyone's got their phone in the air. There was a great display of Tifo in the cop saying Leicester, and uh, it, it was a great night. We had Slimani starting up front, and it was his header after 25 minutes uh, from a Mares cross, the Algerian duo, which to be honest has looked good but we've not seen maybe enough of it no, really it's a shame yeah. because it really is that is that is something there between them two let's, and I think let's hope that both of them are still here next season fingers crossed I don't yeah. think either of them will be but oh, well, well we can come on to that on that, that's for that, another that's podcast for another so where, where were you you were there at the game weren't you yes yeah. I, I was very fortunate to go to every single home game you're welcome uh, I, yeah. I do the rotor for the commentary <laughs> team by the way so yes Pete Selby you're welcome uh, I was on my way back from work. Pod, podcast purposes. I was working in uh, in London. I got back home about seven forty, and, oh, my, so um, you, you and I got it. I got a very a very legal live stream up and running just before kickoff. Well, that's that's okay then. And uh, the wonderful other half had dinner put in front of me as I got home. Splendid. From work. I was like, yes, here I am. And Leicester at home in the Champions League. And and the Dragon Slayer scores. He's always scored against Porto for Sporting Lisbon. And uh, he did it once again. A good header and a very good victory. And, and, and after that game as well, it was it was the roar on the final whistle. Again, we've won the game, but it was like, right, two from two. And we're in this. We've just beaten the best team in the group, supposedly. And we're on. And also, we've got another game at home in a few weeks' time. And that was against Copenhagen. Now, the one thing for this game was the flares. Yeah. Because it was, quite frankly, amazing. I actually was downstairs uh, for the first part or before the game. So as I came up into the press box, which is basically dead level with the bo- with the um, 
the uh, tunnel, but right at the back of the stand. I walk out, and all you can see is basically the stand on fire at the far side. It was ridiculous, in a good way. But uh, I know a lot of people out there, and we mentioned it at the time, people were sat really close and <laughs> saying, like, oh, yeah, they come out with a tan and all sorts of things. So, um, yes, it was quite a sight. It was a cagey game. But, again, it was the combination between Slomani and Mares. I think it was a header back by Slomani to Mares just to poke in. And uh, the one thing about the game was Schmeichel's save. Yeah, right near the end from uh, Cornelius, who used to play for... Cardiff, I believe, a long time ago. Well, that was twice he did that as well. Yeah, um, Copenhagen. We'll come on to that in a minute. Copenhagen were a decent side. They were they were physically very good. They were technically not bad at all. They were pretty solid throughout, but they just didn't ever look like they were going to create anything. They they looked like they'd either they'd set up for a nil nil or they'd conceded the fact that that's probably all they could manage because they didn't really cause us. I don't think that many problems. They were the West Brom of the group. Yeah, I think that's fairly accurate. Yeah. They, they were they were a big side, a physical side. One or two good players in midfield as well. I, I remember. Yeah, the skipper Delaney's. Uh, yeah, scouting a few for, for Leicester. Mm. But <laughs> they don't take any notice. No, that was my first taster of the of the Champions League atmosphere. Obviously, I didn't go away to Bruges. I missed the first home game against Porto, uh, and that uh, this this counts as my second highlight of the Champions League campaign. Standing there. With my commentary headset on, as the Champions League music played, standing there thinking, right, I'm here doing what's pretty much a dream job, let's be perfectly honest, commentating on Leicester City. Yes. In the Champions League, listening to the music that I've heard on TV for so many years with other clubs as I've watched the Champions League throughout the years, it's Leicester City. In the King Power Stadium, the music's played, it gave me the feels. So, so it's in there for my for my highlights. Just to just to hear that music for myself, whilst I knew I was about to commentate on Leicester in the Champions League. Is that number one on? Is that the first one you've had? No, I've had all Brighton scoring within oh, five minutes right. on our so, on our Champions League debut. So you're, so you're two up on that. So, yeah, we're three games into our Champions League campaign. I'm two highlights in already. But also, we're three games in, and we've won all three. Yeah, three from three. Three from three. So we've beaten Copenhagen, and now we're going to go on to our next game of the group stage. And now we're going to go Copenhagen away. Now, this is one that I went to. This one you when you pretended to be a Viking, wasn't it? Yes, it's one of my two times that I've pretended to be an away fan. But uh, no, we went to Copenhagen and um, it was nil-nil. If we just talk about the game and it was a quite a drab nil-nil as well. Uh, highlight really being Schmeichel once again uh, a save in the last minutes with a broken hand, remember? Was it a broken wrist or thumb or... Something like that, So yeah. He broke something. And I remember when he did it, because in the first half, he came for a ball and somehow he, he, it was like um, a chip down the middle towards the penalty spot. And he came flying out of goal and there was no one near him and he punched the ball and it went over the halfway line. It was a massive punch. Yeah. That's when, that's when he did it. Yeah. So um, to carry on and then to make the save, an amazing save at the end... Um, and we'll probably come on to man of man of the Champions man of, League man of the Champions League. We'll, we'll talk about each player right at the end. But um, the game itself very drab, nil nil. But again, we got the points which we needed. Now the trip away was amazing. A really good laugh. Um, loads of beers. Great city. Uh, again, the rumours of the of the owners going around the bars to reduce the uh, amount it costs per fan. Many funny stories. Just a, a really good time. And again, you're going abroad to watch your team in the Champions League. So that was the first chance I had, went away. Uh, 
and it was it was a really good time and it was just interesting as well you know just again watching your team abroad was fantastic and there was one moment um it was a silly little thing but like um a friend of mine lives down south who doesn't listen to the podcast not a leicester fan um and he mentioned about Jamie Vardy because obviously we weren't playing incredibly well then in the Premier League. Mm. The odd you know, result here and there. We hadn't fallen off the cliff uh, yet, which we we're going to go obviously after Christmas. And he mentioned uh, in a bit of a social media post about, oh, it's gone quiet on, on here and this and the other. And I, didn't, I never saw it, but when I got back, I saw it because another friend of mine, he actually replied saying, yeah, you do realise it's gone quiet because everyone's watching their team abroad in Copenhagen. They're, yeah. all, they're all away in the Champions League. And this guy, who's a Villa fan, actually, the other guy, oh, he, his, his response was very quiet and, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not getting any comeback on that line because, you know, we're all abroad enjoying ourselves. So uh, a great thing to go and watch your team away from home. And, uh, and yeah, nil-nil, but never mind. We roll on because if we win our next game, then we'll go through. And the next game is when? Against who? Uh, the 22nd of November against Club Bruges. Who, ah, I remember uh, it well. Yeah, they were very quickly becoming the the team that were going to guarantee you six points in the, the in whipping the group, boys. Yeah, whipping. Yeah, they'd, no, they never really got whipped as such. Some of the scorelines were a little bit unfavourable to it, but they they weren't great, were they? They weren't great, and we did have Ron Robert Zeller in goal because yeah. obviously Schmeichel was injured. Um, and we needed to get off to a good start against them, get an early goal, and we'll be fine. And it was Shinji Okazaki with his first goal in the Champions League for Leicester, um, steering the ball in, I'd say, uh, in the near top corner at the family stand end. And uh, it was a good finish, actually, by Okazaki. Really good finish, And yeah. again, it got Leicester underway, and then Mares with a penalty after 30 minutes, and then it's pretty much game over. Or is it? Well... What, what happens after 52 minutes? What? The, fir- the first time... The first time we conceded a goal in the Champions League, nobody knew what to do. It's amazing. I mean, how many... What game is this? Game... Four. Four? Is it four? Yeah. So game four... No, it's five. Game five? Five. We should really check. Yeah, game five, because we played Copenhagen twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So game five of the Champions League, after 52 minutes, we then concede a goal for the first time. Yeah. An, an amazing record. And... I don't say we hung on towards the end, but we were quite comfortable the final 10 minutes. But I think after the goal, after 52, between 52 and 80 minutes... It was a little bit it was quite too even stretched game. for my leg. It, yeah, it, as well. it was an even game. And then after 80 minutes, I think the final 10 minutes, I was quite quite comfortable. Actually. Yeah, we just kind of settled things down again and shut up shop a little bit more. Amati came on midway through the second half to try and shore things up a little bit. And... It, was, it was a really good goal as well, their goal. Mm. Yes, I remember it would be a couple of men and a good shot as well. Um, I think Zila. I think everyone was it said the it... one that went really high towards the near post. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. thinking of. So yeah. if it isn't, then we're both on the on the wrong wavelength. <laughs> uh, but we've got through, so that's the main thing. Yeah, and then we moved on to the last group game of the Champions League. We were through into the knockout stages. Unbelievable achievement. Let's be perfectly honest. An amazing. Based on the fact that everybody... And we'd achieved what I think most people had set us out to achieve. Leicester, for Leicester, a very good Champions League campaign would be to get out of the group. Yes, exactly. That's we, even by finishing second. We hadn't embarrassed anyone. We hadn't embarrassed... The, what, man, there's been a lot of people afterwards saying uh, this, that and the other. We're not going to mention really uh, what they've said. You know, the likes of um, Sourness and Keane and this and the other. But Sourness, um he... I remember when we played against Sunderland 
and he said these are the champions of England and they're going to be representing us in the Champions League. Now, granted, it was a dreadful game, but he says that there'll be an embarrassment. He says, I can't believe if these play like this, they're going to embarrass us. This, 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 this. Leicester dragging down the English club's coefficient. All exactly. That crap. And, it was, and it was nonsense. And a lot of people um, by now had, had sat up and taken note because the likes of Man City were struggling and eventually getting through. But uh, Spurs obviously absolutely woeful and dreadful in Europe once again. Um, and they continued in the Europa League. But then because we'd won, we went to Porto and we made a number of changes. Have you got the team? Have you got the line? Read, read, read the yeah. team out. Uh, starting goal was Ben Hamer. Uh, right oh, back. start there. So we... <laughs> yeah. I mean... Fair play to him. Fair play Fair play to, to Claudio for putting Ben Hamer in because he's not had a lot of first-team football in the last couple of years. Uh, I thought he was a decent deputy for Schmeichel when he was the number two keeper. Um and and it's not, I think it's nice for a player like Ben Hamer to have a Champions League appearance under his belt. Maybe not this particular Champions League appearance, but he got one. Uh, Luis Hernandez started at right back. You had uh, Vasilevsky and Morgan, the centre-backs. Um, Chilwell at left back. That was when people started saying, oh, maybe Chilwell's not the wonder kid everyone's making him out to be. But let's be honest, he was um, he was performing at a very similar level to the rest of his teammates in that game. Uh, we had Damari Gray on the right-hand side. Uh, Mendy, shall we say sick note Mendy, and Danny Drinkwater in centre of midfield. Jeff Schlupp played on the left-hand side, uh, and there's a picture on the back page of the mirror uh, after that game with him, his arms stretched out wide, say, and the, ha- uh, the uh, headline is, what the hell was that? Uh, that pretty much sealed Jeffrey Schlupp's move away from Leicester. Uh, yeah, and then it, that uh, was his last real thing, wasn't it? Last real appearance, wasn't it? And then uh, up front... Ahmed Musa and Shinji Okazaki. So that was the starting lineup. Let's be perfectly clear. That team was Leicester's fringe team. It was Leicester's second eleven. And they needed to win the game. Porto. Yeah, yeah. Porto. It, the, the game still meant something to Porto. Uh, yes, it was disappointing for the fans that went out to Porto. There is the argument there that maybe we should have fielded a stronger side to respect the fans that have paid a lot of money to get out to Porto. There is that argument, but there's also the the argument that we were struggling in the league at this point, let's be perfectly honest. Um, there was also a chance here for the, for these players to go, right, those, in inverted commas, first-team players, are struggling on a weekly basis. Uh, there's two, there's two um, arguments to it. There's kind of like, rest the first-teamers so that they can concentrate on the league, get let these second-teamers in. Or let the second teamers in and show what they can do to try and get themselves into the first team. But let's be perfectly honest, that didn't happen. No, they're an absolute shambles. I remember the likes of Chilwell was uh, he, he was awful. So was uh, Schlup. The goalkeeper Musa was, was dreadful again. Um, it was a really bad performance. I understand the fans who went there. I couldn't go. Um, I think I was working away actually at the time. I think it was brought away. Um, so I couldn't go. And I remember watching the game, and it was just horrific. And uh, Oh no! I was, I was like, that's right. I was working the day before, but I, I was back in the. I was yeah. I was at home watching it. I think yes, I was. Um, and uh, it's yeah, a long, long time. Ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I'm just trying to remember where I was. Uh, it was dreadful. The whole thing was poor. But I understand from the fans who went, they had a really good time, really nice city. Apart from obviously the result. But again, we move on from this game. Uh, and it was kind of the underlying moment, especially with people like Schlub, an experienced player. It it, it was just 
bad news all around. It was a horrible game. But we were through as group winners. And then, of course, we have the draw. So through to the Champions League knockout stages as Group G winners. Champions League life was getting pretty good uh, from Leicester fans' point of view. Before we move on to talk about the two-legged tie against Sevilla, let's go back over to some of the listeners' memories. We read some of them out just a few moments ago. Uh, we're over on Facebook now. Uh, Pete's got a few more for us. Yeah, just a couple here. Ken Levy says, getting to hear the song belted out at the KP at the first home game, obviously the Champions League song, even though the t- even though it was on TV, it was amazing. Second moment for him was the second half on Tuesday, uh, having a team like that on the ropes for so long uh, was awesome. And Stu Teasdale, uh, so many to think of, it's hard to nail just one down. On a personal level, the two Casper penalty saves and the Vardy reply in Seville stands out. It galvanised the team. We haven't really looked back since. And every game at the KP was special, which is absolutely true. Uh, I felt lucky to have my little boy with me for the Porto tie. He was at Seville with my brother too. He's seven and he really gets it now. He really gets it. He didn't understand why I was in bits at times last season, but he does now. And a special word uh, for the montage with the Fox in the changing rooms on the big screen before the game against Atletico at the King Power. It was spine-tingling stuff. And, uh, yeah, a little word on that, because uh, UEFA can't actually give the footage out, or they say they can't, to Leicester, because lots of fans want it. I'd imagine at some point it's going to get leaked out. Oh, it'll surface somewhere, won't it? I hope it does. Somebody will find it. Because I want it. We'll steal it. You can't steal it. We'll not steal it, but if someone does... Then just just give us a little nudge towards it, yeah, to, yeah. towards a very legal, yes. fully above board oh, yes. source for the for the file. Oh yes. So we have the draw for the knockout stages now. Many teams that we could play, um, and we got and, and again sen- sense of anticipation. So again, one of the highlights for me, the draw, and we get drawn against Sevilla. First thought, Rob Hayes. Um, first thought before. Then going on to study what was happening in La Liga was not bad. Could have been worse. Could have been better. Sort of middle of the road draw. Yeah. I mean, my first thought was purely selfish. The away day. I was thinking, oh, right. Of course it was. Yeah. Severe. Is it going to be a good good laugh, good time? And then it went, right, hang on, we've got a good chance of beating these. But then again, they're a good team. And then someone told me they hadn't lost in Europe for three years. Yeah. That, yeah, hadn't lost any, any a knockout game in Europe. They'd won like two or three back-to-back Europa League titles, hadn't they? Yeah, and Euro- they're, European specialists, and they're like. a very good team in the, and they were doing really well at the time. They were third in, the in La Liga at the time. Yeah, so all so of all a of sudden, sudden we were just like, <laughs> well, obviously there's no easy draw in the Champions League. Let's be honest about that. But and also our our form in the Premier League had fallen through the floor massively. Yeah, we were we were we were down, weren't we? We were because the game before this was the game against Millwall. Mm. which was the the watershed for me with, with Claudio. And we went there, Claudio stood on the touchline. Um, now, I didn't go to Seville in the end. Um, you didn't go to Seville? No. No. And so, basically, I watched it, and it was difficult because the first half, we got away with being 1-0 down at half-time through many different things. Penalty saves, missed opportunities... Some last-ditch defending. An awful lot of good luck. Uh, uh, some good luck. Now, we got through at 1-0, and I'm not quite sure how. And then they scored again, a good goal, and the tie could have really been killed off then. 
And our, our entire season could pretty much have been over then. Yeah, Musa had a shocker, didn't he, for the first goal? Oh, yeah. He, he couldn't block the ball, could he? No. He didn't want to chase him down. Um, he doesn't seem to want to do an awful lot on a football pitch, Ahmed Musa. It's difficult with him because he's he's been very poor when he's been on the field, to be honest. He's been poor, so you can't Except for, for the pre-season game against Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, you've when seen... he was actually unplayable. I've seen you've Ahmed seen Musa. The best. I saw him in that game against Barcelona and I thought, yes, get in. What a player. Put him and Vardy up front. No defence is going to be able to cope. Now Musa's struggling to get in the match day squad. There is, um, there was a goal scored. The, you have seen the new Adi Akinbai, and I'm not saying in terms of expensive signing who's flopped. Um, I'm talking in terms of Adi Akinbai scored a goal for Leicester in pre-season. When he signed for Leicester, um, pre-season, he scored a goal, I want to say, away at Bristol City. Quote me if I'm wrong, or correct me if I'm wrong. Um, quote me if I'm right. But... He scored a goal away at Bristol City, which apparently was amazing. As in, he beat a couple of men pretty much just inside their half and just smashed it from 35 yards in the top corner off the underside of the bar, the whole shebang. And everyone went, hang on, we've signed a proper player here. You've seen, well, Ahmed Musa has had the Adi Akinbai moment. He used up all his skill in, in one game. In a pre season game against Barcelona. Hell mm. of a couple of goals. Well, he scored a couple against Everton, didn't he, in the FA Cup? I don't think it's going to work out for him at all, especially if Shakespeare stays. Well, no, Musa, he'll be gone. He'll be gone. He'll be gone for a significantly lower fee than we, than he arrived for. But all of a sudden, Drinkwater had the ball on the left-hand side of the penalty area and he squared it for Jamie Vardy. Oh, what, See, what, what, more what comments coming in, by the way. What a ball that is from Drinkwater. Oh, yeah. Uh, just a moment of quality from, from two players that that were so integral to our Premier League title win in the season just gone. And what a goal that was in terms of, in the away end, you could see the the, the, the the eyes of the fans. They knew, they were like, right, keep it at this. And they did, just. First thing we'd had to cheer in, in, in arguably weeks and months. All those defeats against Chelsea, that 3-0, the Man U game, which was horrible. Uh, the game against Millwall, which is even worse. Uh, there was many, many poor displays. But that goal, all of a sudden... So, some belief reappeared in, in the eyes of the fans, didn't it? It really did. And then the final whistle went, and we celebrated <sighs> what, like what a, a relief. relief. What a relief. Because we hung on for those last... The injury time, again, how did they didn't score in injury time? It was ridiculous. And you could, it was like, right, we've got a real chance here. Um, but the look on his face... He, he knew. He knew. He? Claudio knew, didn't it's, he? Yeah, most reports seem to suggest that he didn't know and he's been quoted as kind of saying that he was shocked to have it happen. Yeah. He, he, if he didn't know, he knew that there was a strong chance that this was going to be his last game in charge because he had a little wave on the on the pitch and That's everything, That's what it was, he? weren't it? When you, when you saw that wave, and this isn't after Lord Mayor's show, but when you saw that wave, you went, he's, he's on his way. Yeah. He's on his way because there were a few... It still you know, came a little bit out around. of the blue because because a 2-1 away at Sevilla was what was what we'd predicted, really, wasn't it? It's what we'd wanted to come away. Uh, we knew that we probably wouldn't go there and get a draw or a win, but to come away with a goal and only be and only have a one-goal deficit is is what we really were, were aiming for. And it's what we came away with. Yeah. And you kind of think, right, if you've achieved that and he's kept his job between Millwall and Sevilla... Maybe he stays, but it, it transpired then uh, soon after that Claudio Ranieri's reign at Leicester City was no more. And we've discussed this at length on this podcast. I mean, it happened on a, a Sunday night, Sunday mm, evening. Weird, wasn't it? It, it was weird. But um, when it happened, it happened. And it meant that uh, 
Craig Shakespeare's first game was going to be at home against um, Liverpool, or was it Seville? Which one was it? I can't remember. Well, his first game was was it Seville? His first game and then his first game was against Liverpool. Yeah, it was Liverpool because we absolutely hammered them at the King Power, and, and Shakespeare basically oh, yeah. sent he'd sent the players out and gone players players you played last season, but press them, work them hard. Uh, play direct, picked uh, a very similar eleven, uh, but Ndidi in for Kante uh, to, to to the one that won the Premier League title, and we just absolutely stunned Liverpool. And then, of course, it onto Seville. So he's in charge for Seville. The players are up for it. The fans are up for it. And again, the players would have been up for it anyway. But they're in form, even though it's just one game. And the one thing you have to say is the sense of anticipation for Seville. And obviously you've got the fans area at the Jubilee Square, which was a great success throughout the whole of the Champions League campaign. You've got them walking towards the ground, uh, people swapping scarves and shirts. And then inside the ground, uh, the whole areas at the side of the picture was so much press there. There were cameras, lights, all sorts at the side. And then when the teams came out, you had blue, you had white flags, and then you had behind the goal at the cop end, you had a big banner. From the uh, the guys at Union FS. Yeah. And it read? You not remember? No. <laughs> I couldn't see it. I was facing the wrong way. I was well, facing the pitch. Well, which end were you in? I was I was in the southeast corner. Oh, right. No, well, I thought you were in the north stand. No, That's no, why no, I thought no, you, no. I thought you were looking right at it. No, no, no I didn't see it. Oh, right. I, got, I completely got that wrong. That was a good build-up then for nothing. Um, you you added the drama and I was like, hey, you what? completely. What are you talking about? Yeah, you you ruined that now. Well, it, it had let slip the dogs of war because it was all about Shakespeare, Shakespearean quotes, and this mm-hmm. and the other, and then a giant dog, this and the other, it, as a tifo, and it just looked amazing, absolutely amazing, and the noise in the ground was ridiculous. Now the noise against Atletico, which obviously we've, we've discussed, um, I don't know. Which was louder? Which I know sounds a it's, it's a you know weird. Should argument, have taken but, your decibelometer. Yeah, possibly. Now I would say the roar against Port uh, Seville when the Champions League had finished, when the song had finished, and at the beginning of the game, because Leicester started really well, I think that was possibly like one decibel more than against Atletico. I mean, I'm picking at straws. You know what I mean? I'm trying to split airs here. But, all, uh, all I can tell you is that I couldn't hear myself think, because I, I went to that game as a as a fan rather than as um, a commentator, because I just thought, you know, something told me that... Well, you took Mrs. Rob, didn't you? I did, and I went with the parents as well. Oh, Jesus, uh, I didn't know. My parents, yeah. So they oh, were, right, I think it is. No, 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 her dad's a, a Burton Albion fan. And oh, mom, yeah, you've mom, mentioned this already. A mum thinks uh, football... It was so boring, I forgot about it. A mum thinks footballers are all... I um, uh, can't even repeat the word she calls them. Uh, pro- She's pro- probably right, really. She likes rugby. Um, yeah, I went with the parents and my girlfriend. First time for her watching Leicester. My first home game from a purely a fan's perspective in a, in a good few years. I just thought, you know what, I need... I've managed to get my hands on a couple of tickets. I need to experience this as as a fan because we do this podcast. Uh, both of us work in, in broadcasting in various different formats, but we are Leicester fans, let's be honest. Uh, most of the times we watch Leicester, we're commentating or working from some point of view or another. Yeah. So I just wanted to go, you know what? I finish work at lunchtime. I go down the pub with a few of the lads that I play football with. I go to the fan park and then I go to the game as a fan. And just just be able to enjoy being a fan 
for for what it was a rare occasion and uh, both in terms of the match and in terms of me being able to do that and I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it I'm just thinking the last time I went as a fan actually at the King Power been a, must be a long time as well um, yeah uh, the noise was unbelievable and it's many people have said it's the best game they've ever seen at the King Power or anywhere be, um, with Leicester because of the gravity of the game you know that it was in the knockout stage we needed to win um and also of what happened before in the previous months and the previous game. Now, we scored through Wes Morgan, ball into the far post, and it hit his knee, shin, thigh, but maybe all three. Who cares what it was? And it went in, and the noise was just unbelievable. Now, the one thing I will say is I, I thought we were overall on that game. We were, we were amazing, absolutely amazing. It was the Leicester of old. What a night. Everything was right. Everything, the, the the crowd, the flags, the TIFO, um, the team, they got Nazri sent off, or, or Nazri was sent off for a, a clash of heads, we'll put, with Jamie Vardy, mm, yeah. and he lost his mind afterwards. Their manager, uh, Boldy Locks on the near side, he was he was crazy. He's a, he's a very animated man anyway, And he's he? got apparently his favourite for the Barcelona job. He lost the plot, and I don't know what tactical advice or changes or advice he gave to some of the players. He didn't. He just lost his mind. He was no help to the team. It was no. a hindrance. And their team lost their head. But again, the man steps up because there's a penalty, a hotly disputed penalty as well. It looked like at the time it probably would have should have been given, but the penalty, in my opinion, shouldn't have been given. He chipped the ball over the goalkeeper, and it was cleared virtually off the line. And then he went over because the goalkeeper, because Schmeichel had, had clipped him. But he'd already yeah, taken his shot. Yeah, there's nothing else he could have done no, there. He'd taken his shot. So for me, not a penalty, but a save by Schmeichel from Nzonzi, who possibly could have been playing for Leicester in the midfield. And then that man again, Albrighton, at the cop end. Now, when that goes in, the place goes mad. And it's many people's highlights. Many people's highlights. Yeah, it was It was such a, a huge goal. The, the Just... People jumping all over each other, but in in the best way. You know, sometimes if you're in an away end, let's say, and you've got loads of drunk people there. Yes, they're all less fellow Leicester fans, whatever. But where am I? In the away end. Oh, anyway. in the away end. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, the, oh, you. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're slightly less <laughs> so, annoying than most drunk people. Took, took a while. Yeah, but you know they're they're all jumping on you like and just too too close for my life. I'd I'd have let any anybody. I'm I'm not sure where you, I'm going with this. I'd, you, let any, have I'd have let anybody jump on me at that severe Leicester severe game. I was just g- grabbing all the people and just... you'd have hated it in the cop at Filbert Street, where you score a goal and you end up ten rows in front. Yeah, you'd I have, probably would have hated it because I would have. Like, I was that was great. I was twelve or thirteen when we moved to well, the Walker's Stadium. That as well, so then yeah, you would have been too young. I'd have probably been trampled on. But uh, yeah, uh, an amazing atmosphere. And when that goal went in, here we go and. And, and, and again, we didn't really hang on at the end. Yes, of course we sat back, but that's what we're good at. Mm. You know, you cross that ball into, and and they played into his our hands, didn't they? It was Leicester forcing them out wide by having the two fullbacks just cut in slightly. So basically, forcing them out wide, getting them to cross the ball in because that's what we can handle with the two defenders. And both of them were extraordinary that yeah, game as they were well. Immense, weren't they? they were they were fantastic. And then the final whistle went. For me, that's number two on my list. The final whistle against Seville at yeah, home. Yeah. It was, A, we'd won the game. B, we'd gone through to the next round. And C, just the emotion of 
what had happened in the previous 90 minutes and also possibly the previous two months. All the um, champions possibly getting relegated, all the um, we're going to get thrashed in the next round of the Champions League. All, all the people the, calling Leicester a shambles of a exactly. club for getting rid of Ranieri. All yeah, that kind all, of stuff. All, oh yeah, a whole Ranieri thing. All the negativity. The, the game at Millwall, everything was... It was in that final whistle. It was all banished, wasn't it? It was all gone. Um, and that, for me, was my second highlight of the Champions League. Also on my list. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> really? That's my, that's my third highlight. Yeah. So that's your third. I've got one more highlight, which we'll come on to in a bit. Um, yeah, and we're through to the next round. And I remember um, I remember being on the radio later that, that night. They, they phoned me. Um, of course they did. I spoke to Pugac. Of course he did. Or P- Pugas. <laughs> Um, and he uh, and, and nobody calls him Pugas. I do. Well, anyway, um, he's not going to call you again. No, and uh, so yeah, and it was great. I just, I just basically was in the car park on the way up to the, where we parked the cars, and um, and I just talked a little nonsense as per usual. But I was oh so proud of the club, da, 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 the town, and all the fans. But it was that was the single most. I mean, maybe you could say Atletico as well, but that to me was the perfect game. The crowd, the atmosphere, the noise, the flags, the TIFO, the players, the goal, the penalty save, all in one game, 90 minutes. There you go, football. So then obviously after the Sevilla game, we've had the Atletico games. We've discussed them at length on, on recent podcasts. So that is Leicester City's... Champions League journey come to an end for now. Hopefully, we'll be back there very, very soon. But well, wait, wait, wait. You, you haven't mentioned my third memory yet, and we haven't done the away game at Atletico. Wow, which we kind of have before. But my We've done it recently. My third highlight. Go on then. Uh, will be Atletico, and it will be uh, sat in the square at about two o'clock. Um, I sat there uh, for about an hour waiting for. Uh, my dad to try and find us because he was only about 400 yards away but took three hours to find because he couldn't find his way around and um, he's going to hate me for that but then I sat there with a few beers having a few laugh with the, uh, laugh with a few fans then moved to the other side of the square sat with him had a few few drinks he sat in the other uh, bit of food and then he went and then sat with mate Lalo and a few others um, in that square and then the way basically from Midday all the way up till the start of the game. That for me, it was perfect. Obviously, there was a little bit of bother um, in the square, but away from that, the whole walk up to the ground, interacting with our fans, discussing, meeting listeners to the podcast out of the blue. Um, people stopping me in the street. Oh, uh, Fox Eight podcast. Yes, amazing, absolutely brilliant. Uh, stopping at every single bar, having a laugh with their fans, our fans, singing competitions between the two. Absolutely zero bother getting in the ground. That for me was, you know, walking towards the stadium, fifty-five thousand. That it was brilliant. The Vicente Calderon, great old ground. The last time it's going, you know, you're going to go there as well. So it had that little bit as well. If you think, if you're a, a real football fan, you'll look at it and go, you know, what a, what an experience. So that for me was a highlight. One of my three. The the day of the Atletico game away. And obviously we know what happened and we know what happened at home because we've discovered it already. Now, are we going to be back in the Champions League again? That's really for towards the end of the season. We'll discuss players, we'll discuss um, 
how we go forward from here as a club because it is the end of our title winning prizes yeah the uh, the champions league uh, the champions sorry banners have come down yes. from outside the king power stadium now that's correct yeah champions mm. banners are down uh, obviously we won the league we've then been in europe we've had the charity shield uh, ranieri essentially you know mm. that's all now ended but we do have games left in the Premier League. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to have a quick glance towards them. We've got Arsenal in a couple of days. So by the time you listen to this, we might have already played them. Strange game. A team who we don't do well against, especially away. Um, obviously, we lost them twice in the title winning season. Um, it's going to be interesting to play them because they're in bad form in the league, but then got through to the cup final. Uh, Morgan's out again. My question Hoots, to you, Hoots back, Hoots back yeah. yeah. My question to you is not specifically for this game, but if we just look at one man in particular, and that's Craig Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um, I ask you two questions. One, do you want Craig Shakespeare to be the Leicester manager? And if the answer is yes, then how does he get the job? What does he have to do? But if the answer is no, who would you like? The answer... From my point of view, is a yes. I'd like him as the Leicester manager. I think he has proved that he can work with this group of players, and this group of players have proved that they are more than capable of competing at the highest level. Um, what does he have to do to make sure he gets the job? I think he has to be quite clever about his relationship with the with the owners. I'm not I'm not saying that they're easily hoodwinked. But they 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 favour having a name. Let's be honest. They favour having a, a high profile manager mm-hmm. in the belief that that will enable them to get the high profile players in for the money that they want to spend. There are certain people in certain areas of the club that, whether you believe the stories or not, have got themselves into the positions that they desire at the club based on getting pally with the owners. So if Craig Shea, look. Craig Shakespeare, first and foremost, is now a football manager. Okay, He's a football manager who has delivered success on the pitch in a short space of time at Leicester, and he's a proven coach. He's, if he wants the job, and he wants to get the job, he's got to, he's got to play the other game. He's got to play the, the top-level game. So you're, so you're saying no detriment to what he's doing on the pitch. I'm not saying change as a person, and I think he's a very shrewd man. So I think he's going to see what he will need to do should he want the job. So you're saying that it's more behind the scenes for him to get the job. I, I think so. He, he's got. Don't get me wrong. He's got to finish the, the season strongly on the pitch. And I think I, I, I thought that if we lost to Atletico, um, that our season would then be over. Now, now having seen the reaction. And the way that we played against Atletico, I think the season's far from over. I think we've still got a bit of momentum. The players have still got a, a bit left to show. Um, and I think I still think we could secure a top-half finish. And I think that's something that the players will take as a carrot, uh, as, as a caveat to, to attempt to play the last games of the season in the right way. He, he can't lose every game on the pitch for the rest of the season and do what I've just said about being clever at, at behind the scenes and, and get the job. He's still got to get the results. But I think there is an, a large element of conversations had off the field that it, that he needs to be shrewd in to get the job. I think I would really like Shakespeare to get it. I think I completely agree with everything you said. I think um, in many ways, Craig Shakespeare's season starts now. Yeah. I, I think he's got a mini season to the end of 
the Premier League campaign and the season is about him. Yes, the team still need a few points to secure safety. I think a top half finish is massively up for grabs at the time of recording. I think if we win the game, we are up into 11th. So yes, we've got a top half right in front of us. Uh, we do still need to survive, still need to get the points. But I think Craig Shakespeare's, as much as he has been amazing in this short time, rescuing the season in the league, progressing and performing like they have done in the Champions League, as we've just been talking about. But that's all very well and good. He's done amazing. He needs to finish it off. I think this last part of the season is about Craig Shakespeare. And if the players are serious about wanting him as manager, then they need to be at 100% for every single one of these games. Now, regardless maybe of the results, because you can still play very well, give 100% and then come up short, of course, against the likes of Arsenal, that will happen probably more times than not. But it's all about Shakespeare from now on. And uh, I just hope to really go out and, and, and get him the job. As for the Champions League, now, the aim really for me really will be next season to try and get back in it via possibly the Europa League or however. It might take 10 years, it might take 20 years, it might be next season, you never know. We might never be back in the Champions League. But the one thing is, when we were in the Champions League, we gave it a hell of a shot. 